Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband, Josh, wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? Yeah. And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. We need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry. And then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way. And then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church. Exactly. Knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place. Um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Okay, so some of you, uh, so there's a lot of new people here. Welcome. So glad you guys are here. Welcome to the family. We are the body. We are the bride. We are a family, a household of God. That's what it means to be a church. And so um, we primarily don't exist uh, to serve each other. We exist for the mission God's called us to. That's what the church exists for. They exist to make disciples of all nations, to teach them the ways of Jesus, to uh, be witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's why we are here. Um, and so today I get the privilege of sharing with you some details of the last year, um, financial details. So if you have an iPhone or if you have a, a smartphone, you can pull up this information on, your, on, your, on the web. There's a, uh, an app we use called Uversion where you can get all of our sermon slides right on your iPhone while we're talking. That's, that's going to be up there. Or if you want to go to our website, it's up there as well. But we're going to do a year in review looking at the, kind of the, the statistics of our church followed by a sermon. So um, bear with me as I go over a lot of details. If you do read the scriptures, um, and especially if you go into the Old Testament, there's a lot of details with numbers. Um, in fact, they have a book called Numbers. And, um, and, and really, I mean, do you really need to know how long and wide and the, the temple was and how, many, how much timber they got? I mean, if you look at the details, 
um, that the people of God were, were kind of required to remember, it's clear that the details are important. So for us today uh, is an important kind of moment where we reflect on the year. And so this is a celebration Sunday where we celebrate where we've been the last year. Three years ago, we planted a church here with a couple dozen people. And um, we didn't have a three-year strategy. We didn't think we'd, I mean, personally, I had no idea if we'd make it past a year because statistically 85% of all church plants in the United States fail. 85% of all church plants in the United States fail. And the average size of a church in the United States is 70 people in attendance. That's the average size. Um, so to, to kind of break certain barriers, it's, it's really, it's an anomaly, it's unusual. Um, and to become self-sustaining is even harder. And to become self-sustaining in an urban context is even harder, especially at a bar without a parking lot or children's space. So we've, <laughs> we've kind of faced a lot of obstacles, but for the, through the grace of God, we've been able to flourish despite all circumstances. So that's what this is about, is recognizing that God's obviously up to something. And if I could say one thing, Jesus is up to something in Long Beach. You see, he's renewing the city. Jesus is renewing the city. He's, he's restoring people back to, the, to himself first and then back to themselves and to other people. And through people that have said, yes, I'm going to follow you with my life, Jesus, that they've made a decision to follow God with everything they have. Through that decision, God is using them in their neighborhoods and in their cities and throughout the nations to bring re- reconciliation of all things back to himself. This is, this is Ephesians. This is the New Testament. This is the story of the Bible from Revel- Genesis to Revelation, clear, clearly. God uses um, ordinary people like myself to do that, like you to do that. And that's what's amazing is that we, we are just partnering with what God's up to. So here's some, some statistics. Uh, write these down. Uh, let's pray on these and get excited for them. So um, last year, our general income, what we brought in was $403,000. Um, that's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, that, that is a sign of success. Our, our general expenses uh, were a total of $338,000. So around $340,000 we spent on expenses so we put around $65,000 into reserves. In layman's terms, uh, we operated our budget really well. We didn't spend more than we had, and we saved $65,000 in one fiscal year. That's, yep. Good. If, if I pause at all, it's for <laughs> laughter or... I'll come up with a symbol, let me think about it, or like a gesture or something. Um, so that's amazing. We, 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 we saved 65000 We brought in 403000 um, and that's absolutely phenomenal. So here's some breakdowns of that general expenses. Let's start on the right. Last year, uh, we spent 48.9% of, our, of our, our budget on operations and staff. That means so salaries, HR, um, insurance, liability insurance, everything you do to operate an organization we spent only 48%. We're below average as far as most churches go. Most churches are 55% or even higher at sometimes. So we're below average as far as how much we spend on salary, staffing, and all of that stuff. So 48% of that number went there. 12%, about 12% went to facility cost. So this beautiful sanctuary known as Cohiba Nightclub, as well as our small office down on Broadway, um, down that street, we have a small office that we kind of congregate in during the week. Um, so that's facilities. 14% went to ministry expenses, like um, 
uh, children's, youth, uh, coffees on Sundays, gathering, uh, elect- uh, different things to put on the ministries, uh, community group leaders meetings, meals, all of those things. That The way the community garden, we support the community garden through that ministry budget. So about 14% went to ministry expenses and 20% went to first fruits, or 10% went to first fruits. I'm getting ahead of myself. I want it to be 20, but we'll get there one day. Um, so 10% goes to first fruits. What is first fruits? For those of you that have been with us for a while, first fruits is us giving away 10% of our operating budget, our, our entire budget before we even get it. The first thing we do is set aside 10% of our entire budget to be given away. And here's a list of some of the places that we gave our money this year. So that is roughly $40,000 we gave away. A little over three years ago, our annual income was about $40,000. So we've given away what our annual income was about three and a half years ago. That's pretty cool. Um, that's, yeah, that sh- should be applauded. So. Just, I'll just do this. Yep, there we go. Okay, that's, okay, no, that didn't work. Okay, so we gave to Harvest India. Harvest India um, is an organization we partner with, it, partner with in India. It's, they support local church planting all throughout India. They have thousands of church plants. They have uh, orphanages. Uh, we support widows, lepers, uh, modern-day lepers, uh, people living in prostitution that are getting pulled out to be trained with job skills. So we support all of that in India. Um, we supported long-term missionaries. You see this throughout the scriptures, that we support those that are called to be overseas. People going to Tanzania, South Africa, Indonesia, Belgium, Philippines, uh, Mexico, India, Thailand. People working with human trafficking, people working as midwives in women's shelters, uh, working with orphans and starting discipleship schools around the world. We've helped single moms uh, and their children get off the streets and move into apartments here in Long Beach. So we have supported the, the modern-day widows here in the city to get them off the streets and into, into houses. We can applaud for those. Let's take another break. Um, a couple more things we've done. We've hosted Christmas parties and sent kids and their moms to Disneyland for women uh, at Precious Lamb. For those of you that don't know, we partner with Precious Lamb, which is a preschool for women living in transitional housing or homeless. And so it's free preschool for those kids. It's Christian preschool, and we support them tremendously throughout the year. So we've done that with First Fruits. We've uh, given to people within our community that can't afford rent, that can't afford medical bills, or even daily needs. So people here that don't have enough, we've said, actually, that's not okay. So we're going to take care of it. So we've done that together. We can apply for that as well. Um, Only if you feel like it. We've supported couples that couldn't afford counseling, that needed it, individuals that needed rehabilitation. We supported centers that helped that. We supported the local church planning efforts here in Long Beach with Vision 360, along with the global church planning effort. I'm out of breath, but we have done so much with that money. Our, our finances have spread around the world because of uh, the way that the, the budget has been stewarded and because of your generosity. So can we just celebrate how generous you've been as a church, how we've been as a church? Again, you can find this online. A couple of more interesting facts. Here we go. So our reserves, I've already said, is around $65,000 we brought into reserves. Um, our elder team, as we were pray, praying for this next season, knowing that Cohiba is going to be coming to an end, we really want a place that we can grow and call our own. Um, so we, we, we introduced this idea of a time to build where I asked, hey, could you guys as a church give generously for a season of time, just above and beyond what you normally give? 
Um, and so the garden elder team said, hey, we're going to put $50,000 of that reserves into that building fund to kind of speed it along because we're going to need to raise quite a bit of money. So let's just put what we can in there. That was before we actually knew we had that much in our reserves. So that was a great uh, decision. But right now we have a total of 89000 nearly $90,000 in our building fund. And that's without having to do a campaign. It's just asking people to give. Of that amount, actually, um, about 25000 came from Rock Harbor Church, our sending church. They heard we were interested in a building. And they blessed us with their own first fruits and said, hey, we want to help you get in. Um, and uh, we've gotten some other money. But a total from the garden above and beyond has been about $20,000 thus far. So... Thank you so much for those of you that have said, I'm going to give above and beyond my normal gift to the garden at the operating operations level. I'm going to give above and beyond to support this building. You've given around $20,000. That's amazing. So that's worth cheering. Um, we need a lot more for the building. We are really close to getting a lease. Uh, and if you are a leader or um, you want to find out more about that, you can find out today at Leadership Community. We're going to be talking about this new facility we're looking at. It's really close to here, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to take some work on our end as far as finances go and commitment. But I want to invite you at 1 o'clock to come here, and you'll get to walk through that building um, and be a part of the next conversation. It's going to take buy-in. It's going to take time, commitment, and it's going to take financial uh, capital and resources on our church to do that. So I just want to remind you that that's great, but let's keep giving towards that. A um, couple of other things. Uh, is this helpful so far? This is exciting. This is so cool. Um, I, I'm actually blown away by the favor God's given us in our, in our finances. I mean, most churches are running um, below, and we're, we have a surplus, and that's something to celebrate. A couple more things. Um, our average monthly giving throughout the year was $33,122. That's including Sunday tithe, this, this uh, bucket being passed around, um, and as well as the online gifts. And so uh, that's really cool. If you want to give online, that's a great place to give. It's really easy. Most people, a lot of people do that now. But our average attendance over the year was 261 people. 261 people on average. I mean, it varied. Uh, attended our, our, our Sunday gatherings. That means that per person, per month, we give $114 per month per person. That's not an applause. That's actually a wake-up call. Um, and this is a good thing. It's self-awareness. And as a pastor, I think it's good because it, it helps us become aware of where we are. Yes, we have a surplus, but where is that, where is that money or the majority of that money coming from? And the truth is it's coming from less than 20% of us. Less than 20% of us are giving um, 80% of our income. I want to talk about that today, but I want to just point this out. $114 is about 20 some, 24, 25 bucks, um, a little under that, a week per person. Now, some of you are saying, wow, I wish I had $25 a week. There are people in our community that are like that. Um, and, and it's not about reaching a number, but that number is, 10, at 10, if you gave 10%, that's, um, you know, 1600 a year. So just think about that as we move forward or approximately. Uh, we'll talk about that number because that's, that that's a little below average as far as giving goes across the board in churches. I'm not comparing us to other churches, but I want, we want to know what, what does it mean to be healthy. So let's go to the next one. Uh, this is some fun facts. So average attendance, 261. We baptized 22 people last year. We dedicated 10 babies. Awesome. 
uh, growing disciples one way or another, baptisms and babies. Um, We gave away 3,380 cups of coffee. So good, right? Um, It takes about four hours to set up and tear down on Sunday, which is really not a lot of time for a, a church that doesn't actually own the property. But it takes about 25 volunteers every Sunday to make this happen. That's why when we press, hey, we need volunteers to set up and tear down to do children's, it, it, it's not necessarily like, hey, we really we want you. We're, we're, do you mind? It's a, if this is your home, no, you, that's what you do. Um, and so I invite you to sign up, especially if you haven't. So uh, one statistic that's not on there that I love, we've had one car crash into Cohiba. That was really cool. <laughs> yeah, true story. One, right before a Sunday gathering, a car just like, came right near to the door, nearly crashed into the, the door, which made us go up the back way which was really cool. Anyways, that's moving on. It's not on the infographic. Let's go to the next one. Um, So a couple more interesting facts. We have 931 likes on Facebook, 226 Twitter followers. Actually, 228, two people started following after the last service, so that that just went up. And uh, 10,292 podcasts around the world. People are downloading it all over, which is exciting, but the sad thing is they're only listening to Bill's messages. So I don't... (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, we can't tell that, thank God. Mm. Um, but we gave away 250 pounds of produce from the community garden last year. Amazing. Uh, we gave away 150 backpacks to kids that didn't have backpacks for school and school supplies. S- sent uh, 11 kids to camp this summer. Awesome. Um, buddy came to faith who's uh, around the uh, neighbor at the community garden. He came to faith. He's got a great story. I'll let him share it one day, one of the kids that went there. Um, and we have 145 people currently in community groups uh, as of last year. That's an amazing thing to celebrate. So that's it on, the, on those statistics. So can we celebrate one last applause? It's amazing. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much uh, for your generosity. For those of you that have been carrying the garden, it's absolutely amazing and phenomenal. This is something to celebrate, to champion, to know that as a community, we're carrying this. So thank you so much. For those of you that are committed, that are in, that have been serving um, and giving, those of you that have been receiving and let your needs been known uh, to us, this is something that you get to celebrate, that the church is not a place where you just give, but it's a place where you receive as well. Um, that's what it's designed to be. We're going to look at that today. So the statistic that stuck out to me as we jump in, go, grab your Bible and go to Acts chapter 2. Um, we're running a little behind, um, but I want to really dive into this text. There's two stories I want to share from the, the New Testament today. I kind of talk about our heart as a church. It said that we, on average, had 261 people showing. Now, that statistic is, is not fair because we probably have 360 plus people in our community that call the garden home. So that's 100 more people. Um, but based on average attendance, that number of giving is really low. And then if we did some more research and basically... Um, it's the garden's being supported by like 32 individuals or like 16 families or giving units primarily 80 percent of our income is from about 16 or like 20 percent 80 about 80 percent is is being supported Um, and that's a rule that you see I mean you can read Malcolm Gladwell's theory on and there's that's a theory that's proven 2080 rule 20 percent do 80 percent of the work it's you see it across the board but uh, it's, it's the church is not designed to fit that rule. And as a pastor this morning, I want to say let's celebrate and champion 
the, the blessing um, of, of being provided for over this year. And for those of us that have given everything we could, um, time, talent, resources, setting up all the sweat, all of it, all, it's amazing. Community group leaders for being opening up your home every week, preparing, preparing, all that stuff. That's amazing. But let's step aside and just say, what does this say about our heart? As one body, not individuals supporting, as one body, what does it, what does it say when only 20 of us are offering enough to support us or giving regularly? That's like me saying, okay, you in the first four rows, five rows, you, you stand up and worship. So Pete's going to play, but just you guys, because that's what it's saying, right? And the church in Acts 2, it says, um, if go to Acts 2, verse 42, but the church uh, was birthed out of these followers who said, I believe that Jesus is raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead. Jesus says to wait for the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they become the church. There's no manual. There's no instructions. There aren't any previous history. There's no history to say this is what the church does. They just live out of obedience to faith. Um, they live out uh, of following Jesus. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and, and something miraculous happens. And Luke records two, sh- two snapshots of what the church is like when it's birthed. He, he, dis- he gives it a, a description. This is what they did. This is how they acted. From the outside looking in, this is what the church is designed to do. And remember, for those of you that are new to the faith, the church is designed to be the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ on earth. We are designed to be the body of Christ. We are the body to be the flesh and blood, the representation of God on earth as a body, how we operate, how we live, how we live our everyday ordinary life. That's, that is the intentionality. And so when Luke looks at the church in Acts chapter 2, he says this, um, this is what the church did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Flip, Flip over to Acts 4 real quick. Here's a second snapshot. Verse 32, it's another picture of, this is, you know, this is a new thing, this church thing. And this is what the church is doing. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. All the believers shared everything they had. With great power, to, uh, with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That God's grace was so powerfully at work and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, there was not one needy person among them. For a time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone that had need. What does the church look like when it's trying to figure out who it is? They, de- they devote themselves to the teaching. They devote, them- they devote themselves to each other, to fellowship, to to unity in faith, that we're brothers and sisters, we're committed to one another. Koinonia. They, uh, they, uh, they ate bread, they, they, they practiced hospitality, they practiced communion, and they prayed together. 
And it's an interesting thing that Luke records that everyone had everything in common, that no one saw their possessions as their own, and they gave to those in need. This is how radical it was. The church said, my relationship to Jesus is the most important relationship, and that redefines everything else about me. That means that my relationship with Jesus defines how I use my stuff. And when I have something and someone that is in my, my community, my brother or sisters, doesn't have enough, I share my stuff so that there's enough to go around. That's it. That's an interesting strategy. That those who have in the Christian faith live in a way that spreads what they have to those that don't have enough. How many times do we need to hear this? Do you know Jesus talks about money more than anything else except the kingdom of God? We spent two plus years talking on the kingdom of God for the first three years of our church and maybe four weeks on money. And I'm beginning to think that maybe it's important because it was important to Jesus to talk about money because Money's really talking about our heart, isn't it? Money's really talking about our value system. Because as long as our brothers and sisters have that car and that house and that type of experience, we compare ourselves to them. And the game keeps going on and on and on. And then you say, well, Darren, this isn't a tithe conversation. Tithe is the Old Testament. Jesus did away with that. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you can, yes, the New Testament doesn't talk about tithe. But if you want to get legalistic on me, let's talk about tithe for one moment. If you have read the entire New Old Testament, which I have, and, um, and it's, sometimes it gets boring, I'll tell you that, especially in Leviticus. But if you do read Leviticus or you happen to read Numbers, you'll find that, yes, the people of God were told, commanded, in fact, to give 10% of whatever they could produce from the land. 10%. Now, they weren't questioning whether that was net or gross, that's for sure. Oh, oh did I just get too personal? Yeah. How much did he enable you to make? Oh, that's good. I'm just convicting myself. I'll just speak from my own heart. So 10%, yes, great. So 10% of whatever you can produce. But also, once a year, you gave 10% of everything you could produce. Again, for what? A party. Do you know this? The Jews would gather all in Jerusalem. They'd bring 10% of the best wine and food and everything, and they would party for a week straight. Commanded to celebrate and party because that party represented what God was going to do again. Isn't that interesting? So 20%, but we're not even done. Oh, there's another commandment that says every third year you gave another 10% of your income to those that couldn't make enough. So the poor, the marginalized, the homeless, the widows, the orphans, those types of people. So technically, if you want to get legalistic, it's 23.3% of your income, not 10%. So let's, let's push away from legalism because that's what Jesus did away with. Instead, he says, uh, generosity. And the model that the church is given is to give everything you have because that's what Jesus did. Right? Let's go to 2 Corinthians and just take a look real quick because I really want to make this point because uh, unfortunately some of you are, are here saying, well, I, I don't have enough or I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, you know, I'm only in college and I work tw you know, 20 hours a week and um, rent is this and, and I want to prove the point that uh, having money 
is having money is not the same as being generous. Um, which you'll see in 2 Corinthians before I jump ahead. So 2 Corinthians verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 1. Paul is writing, um, some say a third letter. We only have two, but this is a second letter to Corinth. And the whole purpose of the letter to Corinth, the 2 Corinthians, is the fact that he's going to come through Corinth from Macedonia and he's going back to Jerusalem. And the whole purpose of this letter, and there's so many great things in, in, it, in it, is for them to prepare an offering. Okay, so if you want to know what's the purpose of 2 Corinthians, well, this is it right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded or begged with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. So what is going on with this Macedonian Corinthian story? Okay, so it starts with this. Uh, if, if this was a map, Jerusalem's here. The church begins in Jerusalem. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses to Ju Jer Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And it stays there for a while until they're persecuted. The church is persecuted. Philip takes the message to uh, Samaria. And it begins to spread from Jerusalem. Now, and then people are planting churches. So it starts in Jerusalem. It's going to Samaria, Judea. It goes to Antioch, Iconium. It goes to um, a bunch of different places. By Acts 17, it's in Thessalonica. Remember, this is the Mediterranean. And then Macedonia, way up here. So way down here, the church is way over here, planting churches. And, and what was going on in Jerusalem as these churches were being planted was Jerusalem was facing horrible atrocities. They were under persecution by the Jews, the Christians there. They were facing taxation from the Romans and the Jewish courts. So they were heavily taxed. And there was a famine going on in Jerusalem. In around 45, 46 AD, they couldn't eat enough. There wasn't enough food to go around. So they decided that as the church spread that what the churches around the world would do is give to the Lord's people, which is what's going on here. It's called the collection of saints. Maybe that's what your Bible says, or uh, a service to the Lord's people. It talks about it in, in 1 Corinthians, in Galatians, in Romans. This is what, what Paul's talking about. Every church he planted, he would, he would take an offering for those that were suffering halfway around the world. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is interesting. Thank you for the one person that agrees with me. I find it to be fascinating. So, um, so Paul says, hey, I'm coming through, and I've got to tell you a story. He doesn't bring down condemnation. Instead, he says, let me tell you about the grace that was given to the Macedonians. In their extreme poverty, there welled up a rich generosity. Paul says that he didn't ask them to participate in the, Lord, the collection of the Lord's people. He didn't ask them to participate in giving money in Macedonia to Jerusalem because of how poor they were. But they found out about it and they pleaded with Paul to participate in the privilege of giving to other Christians. And Paul says they gave... Uh, they were able to give as much as they were able and beyond their ability. He's like, this is crazy. I don't know how this happened, but 
but they gave a chunk of money. And then he writes them because it's going to get a little awkward. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 4. So Paul's instructing the Corinthians to, to prepare for his arrival. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians 9, 4. He says, he's giving them instructions on how to prepare for this offering. He says, for in, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared. In other words, that you haven't given to this fund. Because Corinth was wealthy. He says, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. In other words, if I have my Macedonian friends come and they see that you didn't give, it's going to be a little awkward. Brothers and sisters. So it's going to be like a Michael Scott moment on TV, okay? Um, from the office. Uh, so I thought it necessary to urge you to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for your generous gift you have promised. Then it will be ready as, gen uh, as a generous gift, not as a grudgingly given. Not one grudgingly given, excuse me. So Paul instructs them to give. And then he gives them some, some information on how giving goes for them. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He says this, he says, make up your mind. How do we give? Make up your mind, decide in your heart, prepare in advance, Give based on what you are able. Remember, it's God who provides anyway, and He will make sure you have enough. And when you give, you give generously and cheerfully. How many of us do that? Or how many of us come spontaneously throwing a couple of bucks? How many of us are thinking, Lord, what are you inviting me into today, or this month, or this year? What, how can I test you? Do you know how hard it is to give? It is ridiculous. Because it really, it pulls on your security. It pulls on your security. The moment Alex and I decided that we were going to give a certain amount for this building fund, we were hit with all of her medical bills at once. <laughs> Do you think that was a coincidence? I mean, there, were, there have been times in our lives, literally, where we are nickel and diming um, to afford groceries and it's been the blessing of like friends and family that have given us date nights and you know gift cards come in the mail I remember one time this is my favorite story where like I literally Alex got a medical bill this is like a couple years ago and she I was saving for her our anniversary 200 bucks gonna do something nice that included dinner and stuff and uh, the medical came in bill came in and it was exactly 200 bucks I'm like oh gosh okay I gave it and I was so angry at God Lord, you better, you better provide for my anniversary, or else. <laughs> Sleeves up. And how many of you know that does, that doesn't go very well? Or how many of you know that God loves your honesty? You know what came in the mail? Literally, the same day I prayed that prayer, a $200 check from a friend from down south that said, I was just thinking God said to give this to you. You don't have to applaud. I was shocked. Are you, really? 
Okay, so we went on a date. It was cool. Um, <laughs> giving is hard. It touches on your security. So when we give, we make up our mind in advance. We decide in our heart. We give based on what we have. We remember God provides anyway. And we give generously and cheerfully. Um, go back to Second Corinthians for a second. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, Second Corinthians 8. And, and he says, guys, I don't want to come knowing that you have everything and these guys have nothing and you didn't participate, you didn't prepare, you didn't think through this, you didn't invite the Spirit into your generosity. And, he, and he, t- he prepares them, but he gives them the reason why. This is what I love about Paul. He's always telling us why we do what we do. We're not just called to give because. There's a reason why we give. There's a reason why the church shares its stuff with each other. There's a reason why this needs to be the model of the kingdom of God God on earth as it is in heaven. There's a reason. Because we have the knowledge, we have the power, the insight, the truth of how this world really works. And he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8, he says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. The reason why we give is because Jesus gave everything. He uses the gospel to teach us how to use our finances. So the question is not whether or not you give or how generous you are. The question is, what kind of God do you worship? Are you worshiping a God who's stingy, who's scarce, who doesn't provide? Or do you worship the resurrected Jesus Christ who's given everything so that you can have everything? So when I look at 114 per person, I wonder what type of God we worship. Some of you, 114 a month is, would be the most dra- dramatic jump you could possibly make. Yeah, of course. Some of you are hurrying so bad that you actually need our church to come around you financially and support you. That's what we do. That's what the church is designed to do. But most of us, most of us, are not using our finances in a way that is revealing the resurrected Messiah. Has your relationship with Jesus redefined your finances, redefined your coffee out, your date nights, your community group relationships? Are you in college and think, well, one day when I make some money, then it will become reality? No, Paul reverses it. He says in 2 Corinthians that uh, you can barely have any money and you can be rich. And you can have buckets of money and you can be poor. Money and generosity are two different things. You don't have to have a lot of money to be generous. If you have a lot, it doesn't make you rich. It's knowing how much you have that makes you rich. Did you wake up today? Did you take a breath just now? Did you drive here or walk here? Do you have two feet that work? That's the beginning of generosity. So brothers and sisters, the call is to not allow our finances to determine our joy and to not allow the world to define how much we give, or an Old Testament concept, the call is to look at Jesus on the cross and ask yourself, what does that mean for my wallet? That's Paul's way of talking about finances to the church.
So as the pastor this morning, I'm not, our budget actually isn't growing this year. We are looking at raising funds for a building, um, but that's way less about a building and more about mission. We, we definitely won't actually use that just for Sundays. That's going to be a, a community center. Um, but I honestly could care less whether or not you uh, think that it's about giving to salaries or anything about, like that. This is about being formed into Christ-likeness and using your finances in a way that reveals the resurrection. So that's about your discipleship, your personal devotion, your generosity is about your heart. So, you good? Man, everyone's quiet. Yeah. Why'd you have to go there? I don't know. Actually, I do know. Uh, so this, every Sunday, what does he say? Cheerful givers. So when I do this, we, woo! But really, are we doing this cheerfully? Some of you give online, and this is just a symbol of God's provision. Some of you give every Sunday, and that's amazing. Some of you don't give. Um, and you need to give. Some of you can't give, and you shouldn't give. Um, but let this be today a reminder of God's provision, more importantly, not for finances, but with the gospel story of the cross. So uh, we're going to pass this in response. I'm going to invite Pete up. Let me pray for us. Uh, we'll sing a couple songs, and then we'll head out. Um, but as we move forward, guys, I just invite you to... Um, invite you to see... Uh, what you do with everything you have through the lens of eternity. You're designed for greatness, Jesus says. Jesus insists on your greatness, right? You'll do greater things than these. Jesus insists on your greatness. May we be great this morning and from here on out on how we deal with finances. I would love the statistic next year for baptisms to be doubled, baby dedications, attendance, everything to grow financially to see a higher number of percentage. Let me pray. Lord, uh, we know that this is real tough because it's our heart. And we definitely don't like it when we um, are, are being challenged on values and security. So I pray, Lord, that you'd be tender and gentle, which is what you are. That you'd be gracious to us. That this isn't about challenge or rebuke or guilt. This is about an invitation. This is about an invitation uh, to be more like you. So I pray for the grace, Lord, that was given to the Macedonian church. I pray for that to be the grace we experience. Lord, because I know that the spiritual impact we have on the city is directly determined by the generosity we have within our community. Our hearts are open.
Fire. 